going through that, I realized that the answer is not to find the perfect person to be with, but rather to become the perfect person or as close to the perfect person as you can. And for me, that meant inner development. This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self. Without hesitation and without fear, leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Today on Second Win the Podcast, I am thrilled and very excited to bring to you a woman named Elaine Pomfrey. Elaine is a teacher and a speaker and even an advanced teacher of transcendental meditation. And by the way, she is one of only four of these advanced teachers in the U.S. I am so thrilled to have her here. So welcome to Second Win the Podcast, Elaine. Thank you, Wendy. I am also very happy to be here and it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So nice to meet you. And so with you, I'm excited to share this version of meditation. And as we talked, I said, wow, I've always wanted to meditate. And now that I'm feverishly trying to do yoga, and then it's time to get down into this shavasana and relax. And my mind is going a million miles a minute and I can't calm it down. And it's just eluded me the idea of meditation, but all the time we're hearing how important it is and how healthy it is. So I'm so excited to have you here to share your insights and secrets and how we all can take advantage of what seems to be probably a very easy way for anyone to you know, wrap their brain around meditation and how to do it and incorporate it into their lives. But first, let's start with Elaine, tell us about your aha moment or how you began this journey, what were in this journey and what made you realize that this is your soul's purpose. Uh, Okay. Well, thanks, Wendy. And I I do want to say transcendental meditation is the type of meditation that I know and teach. It's also called TM. So I'll be calling it TM throughout. So uh, we'll probably get into it later, but it has been a lifelong journey for me. I, I had the pleasure of meditating since I was 15. It's been a part of my life almost every day, uh, except for a short period, which (laughs) I think I expressed to Wendy before. uh, When I went to college, I actually, maybe I just tell that story now about high school and all, or or should we jump to the aha moment? Let's go to the aha moment, because that's like my favorite. Let's go there first. (laughs) Okay, so basically, I went through a very surprising separation and then subsequent divorce from my husband of 30 plus years about five years ago. And I thought we were close, but apparently there was someone else who was closer for a short period of time with him. And so that was quite a surprise to me. And what I realized going through that process of separation 
was that the most important thing to me was myself. The most important thing to me was developing myself, was developing my potential, my inner consciousness. I had been meditating most of my life, but going through that process made me realize that I am truly and absolutely a yogi, that dependence on others in relationship was not the answer to life. I feel like as women, we were sold the Cinderella dream, you know, that we'd all meet our Prince Charming, and then we really wouldn't have to think about much anymore. And I think as women, we know that's not true. And men also probably realize that from their side. Right. But, you know, right. Yeah. But um, going through that, I realized that the answer is not to find the perfect person to be with, but rather to become the perfect person or as close to the perfect person as you can. And for me, that meant inner development. That meant focus, redoubled my focus on developing myself. That's After that experience, I became an advanced technique teacher so I could not only teach TM, but I could also teach people how to develop even more of themselves through this technique. I also work organizing advanced courses for people who've been meditating for quite some time. Because what I found is that if you develop your own consciousness, if you dissolve your own stress, you take care of your health, then everything else unfolds. Your relationships, your your job, your career, your kids get that get better if you're better. It's like watering the root of a plant. You know, when a plant isn't doing well, you don't just, you know, clip off the dead flowers and trim the leaves. You go to the source of the plant and you water it or you fertilize it. And that's what meditation does. It fertilizes you. It gives you very deep rest. It dissolves stress. So every aspect is better. Your your relationships, your health, your mind is clear, etc. So that was my aha moment that redirected me or reprioritized the wow. development of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I guess you're saying that even though you'd been doing it, it was almost a wake up call that this really was so important to you. Yeah. And it got you through this obviously difficult time. Yes, exactly. Just re making it. All I can say is it's always been a priority for me, but I realized the value of it. It became conscious, very part of my conscious awareness to commit to the that highest first, and then everything else would unfold from there. And it's really worked because honestly, I'm happier now. I'm happier than I was before and things are going more my way. And I've had so many opportunities come to me. So I say to anyone who's going through a divorce, it's a very difficult time. I do remember at one point, I made a conscious decision not to be depressed anymore. In fact, I took out my red lipstick and I wrote on my mirror, I choose life. That was like, this is, you know, whatever happens, the most important thing is I'm choosing life. I'm not going to be depressed about this. And thank God it's, it's really brought me to a better space. So hang in there. If you're yeah. Going. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. That's good stuff to share because mm -hmm. so many people are dealing with so much right now and you just never know where anybody's at. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And let's dive in because I thought how you got into transcendental meditation to begin with at such a young age was really a kind of cool story. <laughs> so let's dive back down into that rabbit hole, shall we? Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, let's paint the scene then because yes. we're back in like the early 1970s. Uh, when everyone remembers that that time, rock and roll, drugs, rock and roll, sex, etc., were were a big part of young people's world. Uh -huh. And my older brother was no exception. He had left a very conservative college in in Pennsylvania to go out to University of California, Berkeley, joined a rock and roll band, grew his hair long, lived in a little hut in the backyard of someone's house, and 
I don't know what kind of drugs, if any, he was doing, probably something, but he was seeking. He was seeking, like a lot of people of that time, he was seeking for a better world, for something beyond what was seen on the surface. So he went to a few different talks by different yogis. But when he learned Transcendental Meditation, it changed him because he he found inside of himself that inner peace that he was seeking. Mm -hmm. He cut his hair, he came home, talked to my parents and said, I want to become a teacher of Transcendental Meditation. This has transformed my life. And I'm never looking back to that old crazy self that I was. So my dad, who was in his 50s, you know, conservative chemical engineer, he learned TM right away because he saw such a change in my brother. And subsequently, my other brother who had gotten into alcohol in college, um, he learned TM, stopped drinking alcohol, also became a teacher. Wow. And so my oldest brother, when he went away to Europe for like five months to learn how to, uh, how to teach meditation. And when he came back, he said to my mom, my mom wanted to learn. My mom was also in the 50. She was going through menopause. I do remember that part. And and he just said to me as an aside, like, I was just like a 15 year old girl, you know, interested in what sports and boys and, you know, typical stuff. And he said, do you want to learn meditation? I'm like, I guess, what's it all about, you know? And so he taught me and I enjoyed it. And he asked me my experiences after I said, well, you know, 15 minutes was a long time to sit still because at that time I was quite an active person, but I liked it. I liked it. I felt good afterwards and I admired my brother. So there was a motivation there. Mm -hmm. My parents meditated. I got along with them. There was no reason for me to rebel from them. I somehow had that blessing to get along with them. They were pretty relaxed as I was the youngest of four. So they'd been through all the teenagers. Right. Here they could have like looser apron strings on me, which was right. So anyway, so I kept meditating through high school and my friends would say, you know, like, why are you so happy? Like, what is it? You know, and I said, well, I meditate. And they're like, oh, cool. And so I invite teachers to come even to our high school to come and talk about meditation. That's crazy. At that age, you already knew that one of the reasons you were coming across to people with that energy was because of your meditation. And then you also decided to bring it to others, invite teachers. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, well, it's like when you find a, I don't know, a food that you like or something, you know, or kids these days, they find a website they like, they share it with their friends. Okay. It's that same kind of thing. You know, it's like whatever you love, you want to share with your friends. And especially if they ask you kind of well, like, what's your secret? You know? Right. You know, you feel like sharing it. But yes. then I went, <laughs> I went to college and I was like, okay, I'm grown up now. I don't need, I don't need meditation. Like, I don't um, know why, you know, you just think this like, okay, now I'm in college. It's cool. So I didn't, I stopped meditating. How long did you stop meditating for? Well, it took me three weeks. Oh, only only three three, weeks? Only three weeks. Because what happened at the end of three weeks, I just thought, I don't feel as good. And the main thing, again, was happiness. I am not as happy. Like, I just, things aren't going my way. And uh, meditation must be doing something. Did you feel it physically as well or just mentally? Was it like an all over experience of of differentness of less Um, than? It wasn't so much physically, it was kind of more like, you know, when you're feeling like blah, mm. like, you know, you just feel blah. Mm-hmm. And then there's other days when you feel like, oh yeah, this is, life is good and I want to do right. all this stuff. It was those blah days, like all the time. And I wasn't <sighs> used to it because I didn't have blah days, you know, I hadn't had blah days. So. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so you said, okay, I better get back onto this. That's it. Okay. That's it. 
Yeah, so it served me well. I stayed really pretty balanced, although my friends went through lots of highs and lows. One of my friends I lived with in college told me, I mean, this is an aside, but she said, you're the only friend I know who eats from all four food groups. Oh, that's so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than eating junk food, I was always eating a balanced diet. So, Well, it served you well because no one can see you, but when I share your picture, you look like you're 25 years old. I think it must be Zoom's enhancing. I don't know. I'm looking, I'm like, there's got to be a wrinkle somewhere. You know, I'm getting a little self-conscious myself You're sitting here. But anyway, you look amazing. And obviously the radiance comes from within and you can see it. Oh, well, thank you, Wendy. But it's, it is true. It's, I mean, meditation does reduce aging. I mean, I have to say that you know, there's been, I won't go into too many details about the research, but there's been over 600 research studies done on TM. And they've been published in, you know, very prominent journals done at, you know, UCLA, Harvard, et cetera. But one study was about meditation reversing your aging. Stop it. We did not talk about this yet. (laughs) No, everybody has two ages, right? You have how long you've lived on this earth and how well you've lived those years. Okay. Right. So someone, you know, who's 50, you know, that sometimes those people are 50, they can look like they're like 65. Right. They've had a lot of challenges, but someone who's 50, they biologically could be 35. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the stress level. And so what they found in people who've been meditating less than five years, their biological age, how they lived their years was about five years younger than their chronological age, meaning how old they were. So that person of 50 was testing out about 45 years old. Well, that's nice, but not super significant, right? But what was significant is that people have been meditating more than five years, their biological age was 12 years younger. So that 50-year-old is now back at, you know, 38 years old. So So are you saying it's never too late to start? (laughs) That's right. Okay. (laughs) Stop aging now. (laughs) Uh, Today, please. Yes. Yes. Well, go on with your story. What else could I say? Left college and... Did you decide when you were done with college that you also wanted to be a teacher then or well, what did that I look think, like? Yeah, it's a good question, Wendy. I think I kind of had in the back of the mind that I wanted to become a TM teacher, but I also wanted to go to finish. I wanted to go to a four-year undergrad, typical college. I wanted to go to a city and live after college as a young person, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I did that for a year. And I went to Boston and I went to school in upstate New York, went to Boston for the year. And, uh, you know, I was kind of, even though I meditated, but I still, you know, did kind of crazy things, not too crazy, but, you know, <laughs> not what to say. You know, I did. still a young person in I the did. city having fun. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. And you're a pretty young lady. <clears throat> Whatever. Yes. Right. So in any case, towards the springtime of that year, I got quite sick. And um, just from being kind of a crazy person. And I just, I got really sick. And I remember laying in bed saying, I am never going to be this sick again. I am going to actually move to Iowa. And I'll tell you why I said Iowa. And I'm going to take this advanced meditation program and start on my journey of becoming a meditation teacher. So it took that, it took that kind of really low, low. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it does. It's like, like nature has two ways of moving us forward, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at the goal and it's beautiful. I want to go there or the pain, that's the pleasure, but then there's the pain and sometimes more motivated by pain, right? When the pain is there, then we move towards our goal. Right. So it was that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I went to 
I moved to Iowa. Okay, why Iowa? I mean, not I shouldn't put down Iowa, right? But I have I was an East Coast girl. Excuse me, everyone from Iowa. I was an East Coast girl, so Iowa seemed like a foreign land to me. Right. But in Iowa, in Southeast Iowa, is a university. It's called Maharishi International University. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was the founder of the TM program. Okay. He started a university, actually in California, but then they found a bankrupt campus in Iowa. So so there's a campus there where everyone at the university meditates. It's fully accredited bachelor to PhD program. All organic vegetarian food, classes stop at 3.30, everyone meditates. It's pretty cool. So I went there to learn this advanced program. I got a master's in education, and then I finally got and became a teacher of TM. So I finally, okay. it took me a while, but uh, it was very fulfilling. It was incredibly fulfilling because what I learned, sorry, I'm rambling on, jump in. Okay. No, this is exactly why we do this podcast. Okay. Go, <laughs> Elaine, share. <laughs> well, what, what I really love about teaching, I love teaching per se, but teaching transcendental meditation is extra special because first off, it's a very quiet experience. It's a very settled experience, you and the student. But what you're doing is you're teaching them how to access their own inner awareness, how to access their own consciousness. And what that will do for them is allow them to develop their full potential. And so they go out on their own. They have the meditation twice a day and their lives start improving. So you've taught them something that they can use to improve their own lives. And they don't actually have to see you again after the course to continue to get the benefits. So there's not a lot of things. I mean, there's actually, there are a lot of things like you could teach, you know, scuba diving and people have that wonderful experience going forward. They can always be doing scuba diving to enjoy their lives. But the advantage of meditation is that you're going to the depth of someone's experience. In TM, what we do is we take the mind from the surface level to quieter and quieter and quieter levels. And then from time to time, the mind transcends or goes beyond. Transcend just means go beyond. Transcends thought and experiences just our own inner awareness, our self at the basic nature, just that quiet, that quiet, harmonious, beautiful inner part of ourself. So that's a very settled experience. And when the mind is settling down, the body settles down. We gain a very deep state of rest. I think I was telling you, Wendy, about cortisol, right? During meditation. Yeah, that's a really, yeah. I want you to share that. Definitely. So when you sleep at night, okay, first off, cortisol is, is a hormone that is associated with stress. More highly stressed, there's more cortisol. When you sleep at night, it goes down by about 10%. When you meditate, the research has shown, this is in a journal called Hormones and Behavior, it can drop as much as 30%. So your, your stress levels are dropping dramatically during meditation. People will also notice their breathing getting softer or slower. So this very deep rest is great for your mind and body. Because the body then takes advantage of that time to start to unwind the stresses that you've accumulated throughout the day and throughout your life, like literally unwinding them. It's not that the stress goes somewhere, it just gets dissolved. So after meditation, you feel more refreshed. You said, let me ask you a question here. So are you saying it's like the stresses that have built up? So I'm 55, right? So all the stresses, whatever they've been, and now I'm 55, and now I'm starting to do the meditation, transcendental meditation. Let's just say I was able to do it. We'll I'm hoping I can. <laughs> let's just say. And are you actually saying that by doing this in whatever you recommend, I think it's twice a day or something, yeah. it starts unraveling, like taking away all these layers that we've built up? 
of yeah. stress to that's exactly right that's from exactly. all these years yep yep exactly right i'll give you an example there is a gentleman in his 50s that i taught and he had had a knee injury in high school so because of this knee injury he couldn't move his leg you know he couldn't like straighten it out or, you know there's always issues with his knee Okay. When he learned TM, even in the first week, we do follow-up meetings in the first week, he noticed that there was some sensation there. It didn't hurt in his knee, but something. Then he noticed, like after two weeks of meditation, that he had more mobility in his knee. Now, he didn't go to the chiropractor, didn't go to the DO. It was just by getting, starting to dissolve the stress that was in that area. So it has a very real effect like that. I mean, I know so many people where their blood pressure has been normalized with meditation. Blood pressure is related to stress in the body. Right. Current stress, but also past stress, mostly, right? Okay. Accumulation of stress. So they learn TM. I mean, one woman local here in Palm Beach, she learned TM and she went to a doctor like two months later. He's like, what are you doing? Your blood pressure is so much better. She's like, all I've done is learn TM. Wow. Yeah. So because the reason this works is rest that dissolves stress, right? When we go to bed at night, we sleep, we feel better in the morning, usually, right? Because we got rid of stress and fatigue. So what if you could have a rest that was deeper than that? It would be able to start to unwind those stresses that you've accumulated. Oh, this is gold. (laughs) And not only that, I have to say too, but as you meditate more, then you, you, you don't take on as much stress during the day, right? So interesting thing in the brain that happens is that they've, well, first off, there's several parts of the brain, but we've probably heard about the amygdala, right? Our fear center in the back part of the brain, they call it the reptile brain, right? That's where our survival instinct is. That's our fight or flight. Fight or flight, yeah. Right? So some car pulls in front of us, Boom, we put on the brake. That's, we're reacting, we're, we're surviving. That's from the amygdala. But there's a front part of the prefrontal cortex has to do with our executive functions, our planning, our moral reasoning. So when we're young, that front part of the brain is not online yet. So when we're young, we're always reacting to things, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, teenagers are always under acting under impulses because right. they, they're not, they don't think ahead of what it's going to mean. Right. Because the front part of the brain doesn't come in line to work 25. So that's about the time when teenagers start to, okay, yeah, I see the ramp of some, I shouldn't say all, but some people, (laughs) (laughs) I see the ramifications of this action could be, so I'll stop. Also, when you're, when we're drunk, the front part of the brain turns off. We just react from the back. So when we're stressed, we react with, from that fight or flight, right? And so then all the adrenaline, cortisol start pulsing in our brains. And as that accumulates, then we get more and more stress. In TM, what they found through the research that the front part of the brain becomes more active during the practice, that there's more blood flow to the front part of the brain, meaning that there's more communication and then there'll be more, therefore, acting from the front part of the brain and less from the back part of the brain. Oh, wow. This is something I, I find in 90% of the people I teach. So some people oh yeah blood pressure went down other people didn't notice a change in the blood pressure but boy do they feel happier with their husband because they're less stressed right because they're feeling better inside but what 90 percent of the people say is that they're better able to deal with stressful situations than they were before so now they they're tapping into like a coping mechanism now right. a natural coping mechanism exactly right and so when stressful things happen they don't react immediately 
they pause a little bit and then they decide what to do. I could talk forever about this, but to, <laughs> to come back to my experience, I also wanted to share something else, if you don't mind. Wendy. I would love it. Yes, go. <laughs> well, when I was uh, like 42, my mother, who was in her 80s and my father in his 80s, my father was much sicker. He had Parkinson's. But when I was like 42, my mother suddenly passed away, just heart attack like that, which was a shock, a blessing for her, but a shock. And I know many women out there have also gone through, you know, parents passing away or having to care for parents. Mm -hmm. So for the next seven years, my then husband, and this was the good, great thing that he did, is that he and I cared for my father in our home. And that if anyone's been through it, caregiving an elderly parent is extremely stressful, extremely stressful. And especially when they, their abilities are degrading and they can't walk anymore and they can't, you know, have normal functions anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So in terms of stress, again, meditation totally helped me get through that. Totally helped me. And that was more of long-term stress. But if I hadn't been meditating, I don't know, I would have just... I don't know, been in drinking or something because right. you know, it's a beautiful way to cope very naturally with stress. Wow. I crazy. And I, and I know people, I know people personally right now that are dealing with aging parents and they say they're fine. I yeah. know they're probably not. And I think if we can share this with them, this could be very helpful. So take us through what what it is, what it is. So somebody like me comes to you and says, Hey, Hey, Elaine, I would like to learn how to do this transcendental meditation thing, because I heard you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be like a woo woo spiritual person. You don't have to believe in or against anything. I just need to tell you, my brain goes a million miles a minute. I can't sit still, never have, never will. How does someone like me break into this? Right, right. It's a beautiful question, Wendy. The thing is, is that inherent within the ability to be very active is the ability to be less active. For example, if you see someone running down the street, you know they could run more slowly, they could walk, they could stand still. It actually takes less energy. Our minds are like an ocean. An ocean is very active on the surface, right? Lots of ways, 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 most of the time. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's calm, but but if you, if you were to cut and go deeper into the ocean, those who go scuba diving, in fact, I had this experience myself I, when I went snorkeling one time off the Keys, never been snorkeling before, it was a really rough day, they throw us off the boat, we're putting on our, you know, equipment or <laughs> goggles yeah. and our flippers and, you know, it was cloudy, I'm like, is it going to rain? And then I got everything on, I looked into the water and as I, it was just silent under the oh, surface. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just beautiful fish. It was at a coral reef and it was, it was quiet. So this is a lot like our minds. We have different levels of our minds. We have the surface, you know, very active. Bob Roth is a very famous TM teacher. He's taught many of the stars like the um, people, uh, George Stephanopoulos and Robin who are with ABC, Good Morning America, right, et cetera. He, he says, we have a gotta, gotta mind. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. Da, 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 right. That's the surface. Yes. But we have different levels in our own minds, even in your own mind, right? When you're sitting, what, reading, or if you go to an art museum, the mind is more settled. Or maybe people like to do embroidery and that their mind is more settled. We can even think thoughts at less excited levels where the mind just is very, you're awake and aware, but it's very quiet inside. 
This is the experience of transcending. People, when they learn TM, they're like, yeah, when I was a kid, I remember having this experience where I was awake, but I felt very quiet inside. So just like the ocean, our mind can have these different levels. So what we do in TM is we we use a technique that uses this natural tendency, uses the natural tendency of the mind. Now, what does that mean? That yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. It all sounds <laughs> fabulous, but I'm still sitting here because you said, you know, when you're reading and your mind quiets down, guess who doesn't read because her mind can't quiet down? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So right. <laughs> <laughs> do you do anything where you feel the mind settles down? Like walking, do you go walking or anything? Yeah, like but I'm usually listening to podcasts uh-huh. or uh-huh. dealing with my rescue dogs or something. Yeah, there's never really a quiet time. What about I when- try in yoga? Yeah. And what about when you first wake up in the morning? How do you feel? Usually, honestly, Lillian, mm-hmm. I'm mad that my husband's snoring. <laughs> <laughs> so well, TM, I'm sorry, TM. Out there. <laughs> there's no research on TM and snoring. <laughs> or I'm looking down being saying to myself, why am I sore? Oh, there's four dogs on top of me and a cat or something. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I, we, I have some work to do. Well, perhaps in maybe you have had in the past, maybe not your your mind isn't settling, but maybe in the past before you had four dogs and whatever. Yeah, on top of me. Yeah, exactly. One can't jump on the bed. There's five. But keep going. <laughs> okay, so let's think. So the nat, the mind left by itself, what does it do? Well, we might think the mind left by itself wanders. Yeah. Right. That would have been my answer. Right. Okay. But that's like, okay, let's, let's take you out to a field of beautiful wildflowers and you see a bunch of bees, honeybees, and they're going from flower to flower. Would you say that they're wandering? No. 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 What are, they're, they're, they're actually look on the surface like they're wandering, but they're looking for nectar. Right. They're looking for more pollen. They're looking for pollen to take back to their nest. That's a lot like our mind. Our mind seems to be wandering but it actually has a purpose. The mind is always looking for something that will satisfy it more, that will bring it more happiness, or that will be more charming. Now, it might be that you think, well, it goes to worry, and that's not so charming, but something about that worry is charming to you because you're thinking about that person or whatever. The mind is always going to that which will will satisfy it more. For example, another example. So do you watch Netflix? occasionally occasionally okay well you know the netflix queue right yeah okay you're going through you're looking for a show what what kind of show are you looking for Uh, right now i watch a lot of restaurant shows okay and i love schitt's creek yes that's a good okay okay have you you, wait till you get the ending okay oh i've been there oh oh, it's beautiful isn't it yeah we just keep going back over it (laughs) (laughs) it's because they grow they grow it's a beautiful beautiful show so is that different than what your husband is looking for in the queue? Is he looking for restaurant shows? No. Mm-mm. What's he looking for? Uh, he'll do, he likes movies. I don't know, sports, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So each of you, you're going to that which you, will bring you more happiness. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. It's, it's natural. The place, the, wherever you chose to live, the, the job that you're doing now, the people you're interviewing, you're doing it all because it will bring more happiness to you. So your mind in wandering is looking for something to bring it more happiness. Now, it's not going to be found out there. We think it's going to be out there. But actually, 
within the mind is a reservoir of creativity and intelligence. It's where our thoughts come from. Have you ever run out of thoughts? No. No, because they're always coming from this source of thought. This, they're generated, generated, generated. Within your mind is a reservoir of creativity and intelligence. But we don't go there. We go outward, outward, outward. So with TM, what we do is we turn that, that outward direction around 180 degrees. We turn the mind inward through a specific technique. And then the mind wants to go in that inward direction to the source of creativity and intelligence. And then does it, it because of transcendental meditation, are you then um, able to filter, would you say? Filter uh, out things that aren't serving you or? Are you talking about during the day or during meditation? Like when you're actually looking meditation? from within, because if all these thoughts are right. spewing up all the time, some right. of them, you know, don't, don't work for you. Right, right. So, so you're asking about during the practice, are you filtering think, out? Things? Yeah. Uh -huh. Is that, is that what that is? Well, you know, and this gets into this, the specifics of the technique itself, mm -hmm. which I can cover a little bit, but it is a four day, uh, a right. you'd learn it over four days. It's an hour and a half over four days, okay. but basically, um, we use a sound rather than a word word has a meaning, keeps the mind on the surface. We use a sound, which is a mantra mantra just means probably heard of that mm -hmm. a meaningless sound whose effects are known. You learn a, in TM, you learn a sound that's specific for you. And having that sound in your awareness keeps the mind lively, but not directed. It is not concentration. We're not focusing. Oh. When the mind is lively, but not directed, it starts to go in this inward direction by itself. Oh, okay. And then it starts to settle down. And then from time to time, the mind will transcend thought and experience just our that reservoir of creativity intelligence that silent reservoir inside. Sometimes thoughts will come during meditation, but through the process of the course, you learn how to deal with those thoughts, right? And it's basically, we just don't try. In TM, the only thing you can do wrong is to make an effort. It's a completely effortless, completely natural technique. Which is interesting that you're saying that because we've said that on Second Wind. I've had people say, if you feel like you're chasing something mm -hmm. or you're trying to get something, yeah that's not the path to go on right because you know it, it in meditation yeah we follow we use the mind's nature to settle down so we don't go against the nature of the mind by holding on to some idea of what we think we should experience during meditation right we let the process take care of itself yeah and within and i asked you this question yesterday because i'm just so intrigued by this whole whole thing that I said, well, okay, so we're, we're getting down to our core, to our silent space, mm -hmm. the, our being. Right. And, and I said, our, you know, is that kind of like getting to our soul? And does this make someone like you an intuitive or remember I, I, I was like, right. so are you an intuitive? Are you a medium because you can do this? Right. And I thought your answer was interesting. Okay. Let's see if I can replicate it. Okay. <laughs> I have notes, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think I said and what, what I know to be true is that the ability to be intuitive, medically intuitive, to 
to be um, what what you asked me about a something. medium or Our someone medium. that could speak to the angels or yeah, an Akashic so record reader right. type of person that right. can transcend because they use that same term mm -hmm. transcending right to be so able all, to hear that yes so all of these things are special abilities right and so each person is gifted with their own special abilities transcendental meditation allows you to develop your own special ability whatever it is we we don't teach any particular lifestyle we don't teach a diet we don't teach how to be an intuitive but if you have those channels open to you as you get rid of stress and develop more of yourself those channels will become even more open the doors open right but it could be that you are uh, you know, an accountant. And that's your special ability. And so you become a better accountant, okay. right? Your yeah. mind is clearer and you're more focused, you know, so then you're able to see the bigger picture while focusing on the details. So what, what transcending thought, getting rid of stress does is develop more of who you are inside. And whatever abilities come from that will be enhanced. So that's another reason I like it is because People don't have to become a certain way, right? right? You know, you don't have to, you know, a lot of people will drop habits they don't want. Like, you know, maybe they're, they smoke cigarettes or they drink alcohol and they don't want to do that anymore. By being more rested inside, those habits will drop off. But we don't force that or make people do that. People don't have to become vegetarian. In fact, you don't even have to believe that TM will work for it to work. And that's like pretty amazing because it's a mechanical technique. You follow the technique, it will work. And I've seen it happen. You know, sometimes it will be like the wife wants to learn TM and she kind of drags her husband along or vice versa. It could be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's take the situation where the man is more skeptical. Sometimes people and he does a technique, he feels relaxed. And sometimes the skeptics are our biggest salespeople because they didn't think it was going to work and it worked. Right. <laughs> So, yeah. Do you have an, uh, a, a person you worked with or a situation that just brought it all home to you and you were like, yes, this is, it, it was that heartfelt, this is why I do this. Do you have, I'm sure you have many of those, but do you have one in particular that you could share? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I do remember when I first started teaching, we were li living in Kansas City then. And there is a woman who she had very challenged health. She was on eight medications wow. and she was only, she was in her fifties and I forget what all the conditions were, but through the process, it took a year. She would come back because you learn meditation and you are on your own, but you can come back for checking, checking with the teacher. We have advanced lectures. We have group meditations, retreats. So through the process of the year, I would see her every few months and she would say, oh, I'm, I'm not having to take my blood pressure medicine anymore, or I'm not having to take, you know, my thyroid medicine anymore. So through that year, it was a year, she got off all eight medicine and she was just like, I remember her name was Shirley. I forgot her last name, but she was just like so happy. And her husband learned TM at the same time. And he was very happy too, because he was thinking like, oh, you know, she's going downhill, but rather over that year. You know, she had gotten so much better. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is definitely working, you know, on a concrete physical uh, way. Yeah. Here's another question. And it just occurred to me. So for all the supplements and prescriptions and ideas of eat this, drink this, do this, 
I wonder would transcend could transcendental meditation take the place of a lot of those things? Well, it all depends on the person, right? Okay. Because okay. everybody has different balances and imbalances, right? That really they're born with or developed for whatever reason, right? So it is, it, it's very individualized. And we always say, you know, work with your doctors on if you're going off medication or whatever. Right. Sometimes people think, oh, maybe I won't have to sleep anymore. Well, that's not the case because sleep, <laughs> <laughs> sleep gives you a specific kind of rest that your body needs, you know, and also the dream state. Yeah. So TM gives a different kind of rest. We call it restful alertness. Mm -hmm. The body is resting, but the mind is awake and alert. It's not as restorative as sleeping for eight hours and being well, in your REM sleep. Yeah, it's a different kind of experience. It's actually a different state of consciousness. That's okay. the cool thing. We okay. sleep, we dream, we're awake. When you transcend, it, it's a fourth state of consciousness. Okay. So really, we're doing, I mean, I do meditation because it makes me feel good, keeps me healthy, happy. But I also really want to develop my inner self. And that's where we're going. So some people are going, let's say that's where I'm going. It's developing right. my full potential, moving towards in a more enlightened state where I am able to be more interconnected with everything and everyone and really providing good to everyone. That's kind of the direction I'm going in. And I think so, that that's what my whole, that's what the whole second wind yeah. is about for all of us to reach our potential and raise our own consciousness and by doing so, raise the consciousness of the world. Exactly. That's and be exactly of service right. to others. Yeah, because a forest isn't green unless the, most of the trees in the forest are green, right? So the world won't be peaceful until most of the people in the world are peaceful. And really cool research, right. sociological research has been done on TM. Just 1% meditating in a, in a city will reduce the crime rate. And where we even did a huge study, 4,000 meditators in Washington, D.C. This was in 1992, I think. Okay. And during that, it was in the summer when the crime rate goes up and the police department participated by providing statistics. They found that went in a three-week period when this group of 4,000 meditators were there, the, crime, the violent crime rate dropped. I think I forgot exactly, like, uh, I wish I remembered the percentage, more than 10%. I mean, it was actually quite significant. And the police are like, there's no way this would happen in the summer because usually in the summer, the rate goes up. There was a definite correlation between the the, what was the energy that was being? Well, what it is because, is that- Because the people committing the crimes are not the people meditating. That's exactly right. Okay. But the way it works is that consciousness is a field. What I mean by that, it's like the ocean, Okay. When you go to the shoreline and let's say a dock and there's all the boats there, when a wave comes in, all the boats move up and then they all move down, right? Mm -hmm. That's like the ocean is like a field connecting everything. So our consciousness is a field for another example. And we can have a positive effect from that field or a negative effect. Like you go to someone's home, right? Mm -hmm. you, were, you walk into the room you didn't see what happened, but you know there was an argument. You've had that feeling. You go in there, there's people there. You know that there's tension in something, the air. Something went down. Yeah. Exactly. How do you know that? You just feel it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you go to someone else's home, that, and maybe that home isn't so beautiful. 
you know, but yet you feel good there. Mm -hmm. There's harmony there, right? It's, it's not the wealthiest home you've been in, but it feel, it's nice. You feel good. So our consciousness, our being is, doesn't just stop at the boundaries of our body, right? We have this consciousness that is part and connects with others. So if we're transcending and we're creating more coherence, we call it, at that subtle level of consciousness. Coherence means orderliness. So during during the practice of Tian, the brain waves become more orderly. Oh, so okay. when we're in that more unsettled state and people's brain waves are more orderly, they're sending orderliness out into the atmosphere. That is awesome. <laughs> I know. It's so cool, isn't it? It's so needed. We should like get a whole bunch of meditators to go sit all over the world right now, especially in Washington, D.C., and stop all the nonsense that's going on. Exactly. Oh, so, yeah. Wow, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a book that was just published called The Coherence Effect, which is all about what I just talked about. Yeah, there's Coherence. tons of books, you know, about TM and all that. But I did want to mention one thing, Wendy, just because in COVID times, people think, how can I learn? You know, I don't want to go to a center. I don't want to see a bunch yeah, of Yeah, tell us. Over, over four days. So, um, you know, to learn, you would contact your TM, local TM center. But um, you, we now have an app that makes it easier to learn. So you would learn in person the first day. You learn how to meditate. You're meditating on your own. But then each of the three days after, you take the lessons on the app. There's a video made by the current leader of the TM organization, Dr. Tony Nader. And then you meet with your teacher each day for like a half an hour on Zoom to check in and to do a, a meditation with them. So it's a really beautiful way. It's like we call it the at-home learning option where you learn, but then you have this option to learn at home and then check on Zoom. So it's a kind of a COVID safe way to learn. Right. So tell us how to access that, please. Yeah. So the best thing to do is uh, in the U.S. to go to tm.org, tm.org, transcendentalmeditation.org. And then the upper right-hand corner, it says, find a teacher. Okay. And you fill in your data and they'll connect you with your te with the teacher. The teacher will contact you via email or phone, whatever you request. Yeah. That's just go it. from there. Yeah, go from there. Exactly. Yeah. And if somebody's not in the U.S., because we do have other countries listening to this podcast. Very cool. Very cool. Does it exist in other countries? Oh, or? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, oh, we have so many countries all over the world, even in China. Yeah. So I think you can go to the same website and say you, what country you want to learn in, or there's a link there to look up different countries. Okay. Okay. Or just search trans transcendental meditation in your country. Yeah. But there's teachers in all so many countries because it's a you know it's a global organization right we want to spread this message of like you said individual peace to create world peace i love it yay this is so good <laughs> and how do people get in touch with you if they have questions for you elaine oh yeah great well you should have said my email is if you would email like to. yeah sure email is my first initial last name e pumphrey so it's e i'll spell it e-p-o-m-f-r-e-y E for Elaine, P for Pat, Om, Oscar, and Mary F. Frank, R. Robert, E. Elaine, Y. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At tm.org. Tm.org. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today and sharing this amazing practice. And I look forward to diving in and figuring it out. 
I really am excited to do this. I see no doubt. I see no negative here. Is there any negative to anyone doing this? I don't know. You know of? No. Okay. I can't think of one either. Yeah. So let's do it. (laughs) All right, Wendy. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you the last today and yesterday we talked a little bit too. And I think you're, you're doing a fantastic thing here to connect people with their second wind right? To tell us there's options uh, for that second enjoyment in life. And we are, we are as a community growing younger as we learn more and more. So you're making these options available to people. So it's really a beautiful thing. And you are a beautiful person. Oh, thank you so much, Elaine. I feel the same way about you. And thank you for sharing. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.